Welcome to The Abundance Journey, the show that helps spiritual entrepreneurs create an abundance mindset that accelerates revenue. Secretly, everything you experience in your life is actually abundance. Once you understand how to activate abundance, you find yourself in flow with your business and clients, so it's easy to create the revenue you want. The Abundance Journey is the only show that activates abundance for you, so you enjoy rapid results in your business. Here's your host, the Abundance Ambassador, Elaine Starling. You know, there is a wonderful physical and spiritual practice that's been around for centuries. It's called yoga. Have you ever practiced yoga? I mean, I've taken a couple of classes, but I got to tell you, I've, I've never done anything regular, but I'm kind of jealous because I've, I've really been curious about the power of all the things yoga can do for you physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. I've got some friends who are real yogaholics. <laughs> They're into it in a big way. And they tell me that yoga is kind of like a body meditation, that masterfully connects your physical body with your higher self. So you will live a life that is centered in peace and joy. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty awesome to me. So I am absolutely thrilled that we have this amazing yoga expert who's going to be able to answer all of our questions. Now, let me give you a little bit of background because this lady is going to blow you away. Radha Metro Midkiff is a certified life coach, and she's the executive director for the Integral Yoga Institute of New York. Her upbringing in yoga began at a really early age because she was raised under the tutelage of Sri Swami Sachidananda at Yogaville. I think I said it right. If not, she'll correct me. You know, both of her parents are integral yoga ministers, and they ended up moving several times so that she and her five siblings received an integral yoga school education from first to 12th grade. Well, at the young age of 18, Rana was already certified as both a Hatha yoga and a Raha yoga instructor. Well, furthermore, she was among a select group of only four individuals to receive a direct blessing of Dharma confirmation from Swami Satchidananda. This is a really rare and highly coveted honor. So you can tell that we're in for a massive treat to have Radha with us. Welcome. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me here today. I love talking yoga, so this is going to be super fun. <laughs> right up your alley. In fact, for your entire <laughs> life, right up your alley. So you get this at a level that most of us just haven't grasped yet. So I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. Now, I always start every single episode of The Abundance Journey with an intention. An intention is what we want to create and how we want to feel as we create this together. And I've got a specific structure that I use. I always start with in love and light, because to me, that's acknowledging that the God of your understanding is an active participant in helping us create this intention. So I say that, then I say the intention, and then it's only good manners to say thank you. And I say it is done at the end because it's a reminder to me that it's almost like spiritual GPS. I just type the address into the GPS system. And I'm when I'm done typing, I'm done typing. I don't have to keep typing. The divine gets it and is ready to help us co-create this incredible experience together. And that's why it's so important and so powerful to set your intention 
before you start a collaborative conversation like this, because then throughout the entire conversation, we're going to focus our attention on everything that lines up with our intention. Our attention is what we focus on that is working for us that aligns with our intention. This is how miracles are made. You were here. You were ready. You're a part of this. So we're going to do the intention. I'm going to share the intention. And we're going to sit in total silence, holding this intention for 78 seconds, which honestly, it feels like an eternity for me. I've been doing it for years and it still feels like forever. But it's really important that we do this. Because the latest research shows human beings have a shorter attention span than a goldfish. (laughs) It's really sad, but we have so much going on upstairs. There's so many different ideas and things I got to do. And my, you know, we just don't focus long enough. So the God of your understanding is looking at you just going, you don't know what you want, honey. When we hold it for 78 seconds, that is a level of commitment and clarity that the divine is looking for from you so that they can be an active participant and support you in what you're trying to create. So a couple little tips as you're holding for 78 seconds, because I know this is challenging. You can pick just a couple of words that really resonate for you that have that high energy that you're trying to create and just repeat that over and over in your mind, just those few words. Also, notice your body. Notice what shows up in your body, especially we're talking about yoga people. Come on, this is all about body meditation, right? So notice if you've got tingles or waves or chills or heat that shows up somewhere in your body, because we're getting the energy moving. That's the whole point. We're setting our intention. This is where we want the energy to go. And then we're going to go there. Cool. Any questions for me, Rana? No, this sounds exciting. I'm ready. I love playing with awesome people like you. This is so much fun. Okay, here we go. In love and light, we hold the intention that we experience supreme peace and joy, embodying that peace and joy through everything we think, feel, say, and do. Thank you, divine. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It is done.
We give thanks. And so it is. Wow, that was really powerful. I don't know about you, but I felt that energy immediately. I was vibrating. My whole body was just vibrating. It's excited. It's like body meditation. Yeah. (laughs) What was that like for you? Oh my gosh. Well, any opportunity I have to sit quiet and meditate is, is happy, a happy moment for me. I, uh, and these are such beautiful things to meditate on, right? Peace and joy, peace and joy. Mm-hmm. How can it get even better than this? Right? Right? Hey, I don't know, but I'm game to try. Now, obviously, <laughs> you grew up eating, sleeping, dreaming, thinking nothing but yoga. So, why are you so incredibly passionate about it? You know, most kids would kind of rebel when they get to a certain age and be like, okay, I've had enough of this, but not you. You embraced it wholeheartedly and you continually lead yoga. Why is this so important for you? I think um, part of the reason why yoga resonates so well with me is that it's such a practical way to live your life. So it's not complicated. It doesn't involve like a lot of different, um, uh, things you have to do. Like for me, it's about like bringing it into my life in a very practical way every single day, all throughout the day. So a lot of people associate yoga with these physical practices, but yoga is so much more than that. Yoga is actually like this complete science of how to live your life and how to bring this peace and joy into your life every single moment of every day. And the really cool thing about a science is sciences are developed because you do something and you get a result and you can repeat that over and over and over again and you will get the same result doing the same thing. And so it's extraordinary to have this 5,000-year-old wisdom that still today is just as effective, works just as well, and is just as applicable. Like what the yogis were doing 5,000 years ago, sitting in caves or in the forests, is just as practical for me sitting in New York City in the middle of all this chaos. It's really, it's that's why I'm so passionate. It's really exciting. And I think in some ways it's more relevant now today with all that we're going through than ever before, because we could all use more peace and joy in our everyday life. No kidding. But, you know, there is something that I have to bring up, kind of the elephant in the room. I am very envious of the people that I see who are doing yoga. And I think of them as pretzel people because they tie themselves in knots, right? The flexibility, the strength. And frankly, I'm sorry to admit this, but I'm a bit of a chunky monkey. And so trying to maintain my own body weight in awkward positions for a long period of time just sounds really painful. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Because obviously I would love to adopt a practice that really connects that body and spirit. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So I've never been flexible. I'm not, I grew up with lots of kids that could do back bends and all kinds of things. That has never been my body, right? I'm a little bit shorter. My arms are a little short for my torso. So, you know, when I do certain poses, my arms are not going to reach the floor like other people's. Um, I'm not necessarily this, you know, even though I was a dancer when I was younger, I just never had that same flexibility. I am now a 51 year old woman. Our middle does something new and different when we get older <laughs> than I've done before. What's up with that? But I was in my practice this morning and I was 
bending over and I was like, oh, I feel really good and flexible this morning. And I was like, maybe my head will reach the ground. And then I was like, this belly is not letting my head reach the ground today. <laughs> but the important thing is it doesn't matter. Like it is not about how flexible you are. It's actually um, about really focusing on your own body, what your own body can do in the pose that day. What's going on with your own body from day to day, right? I mean, again, as a 51-year-old woman, some days my body's much different than the next day. And I have to be really present to what is going on with my body in every moment for me to really be able to do the practice in the best possible way. Unlike some other schools of yoga, integral yoga also integrates in um, a much more meditative practice. So we always say um, our more advanced practices are actually slower and more intentional. It is much, much, much harder and more challenging <laughs> to go slow than it is to go fast. Yeah. Just like you were saying with the intention, right? Holding that intention for 78 sec seconds can feel really long. So holding a pose for 30 seconds as opposed to three minutes and wow. breathing into the pose or moving very, very slowly as you go in and out of the pose, being really intentional is far more challenging than twisting yourself around and doing extraordinary acrobatics. Um, it's it because we're not just looking at, um, can you bend over? It's not acrobatics. Mm -hmm. It is yoga and yoga is done very intentionally and meditative. You know, I love what you're saying because I think so often we live our lives up in our heads, up in our minds. You know, we're not that connected to our bodies. And yet our bodies are giving us all kinds of great information. It's this big, um, almost like a satellite dish collecting information and feeding it up to the mind. And we block a lot of that stuff because we just don't have a good relationship with our body. Now, I have to ask you a question because I always ask everybody this question. No two people that I've talked to have ever defined abundance the same way. And it's because we all look at abundance through our own lens of experience. And given what you do, where you're helping people actually connect the mind-body-spirit thing, how do you define abundance? Oh, wow. That's such a great question. Because for me, abundance is everywhere. Um, if you look at the number of blades of grass, in a yard, that's abundance. The number of leaves on a tree, the clouds in the sky, the birds that fly by. Like for me, abundance is everywhere in everything, every day. And when I start to feel like that contraction that sometimes comes when fear starts to set in, or like that fear and anxiety, then that's when I really tap into like the greater abundance of the world around me. I mean, New York City is extraordinarily abundant right? Like there's people everywhere. There's coffee shops on every corner. There's cars. There's, you know, I mean, there's even trees that you can count. There's so many things that you're just almost overwhelmed with all the abundance that exists around you. And for me, it's just, you know, part of that is just tapping into our universal connection and saying, I am part of this incredible abundant universe that surrounds me everywhere. That is so, so true. I don't know I think, if that was exactly no, definition, but that was perfect. That was really perfect. And you know, when I talk about abundance, I also talk about the fact that abundance, technically the definition is more than enough. And we're mm -hmm. on this abundance journey to find the abundance actually within ourselves. 
because we are the abundance we're looking for. We tend to look outside ourselves to see where's the proof that I'm abundant, right? I got to have the big mansion. I got to have the great car. I got to have the perfect relationships. I got to, you know, be doing all that. Not necessarily. You need to connect with yourself. And that's why I'm so intrigued with yoga and your background, because yeah, this is, this is really right up my alley and, and very important to me, very timely right now, because I'm also trying to be much more present this year. Mm-hmm. I'm committed to I am presence. This is what I'm after. So that's why I, I'm just delighted to chat with you. Now, I'm sure you've worked with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people over the years. And mm-hmm. there has got to be kind of a common thread that you see with people before they start working with you, where they get to that tipping point where they're like, dang, I really need to do this yoga thing. What are those symptoms? What's that common denominator that you notice? So I think like it starts with um, almost like um, an unsettled feeling, right? It's this feeling of like just not being... um, uh, content with everything around you. And then that contentment or lack of contentment can then turn into things like depression, anxiety, often over stress, right? We start stressing about a lot of things, taking it all very, um, personally. And as we move through the practices, one of the things that happens is again, like you said, when we start getting present in the present moment, of the time, the present moment's actually a rather pleasant place to be. Mm -hmm. It's an extraordinary phenomena that when you actually get to the present moment, you go, wow, I'm actually okay. Everything is good. And that's actually fascinating because they've even done studies with pain, right? Chronic pain. That when people focus on the present moment, they start to realize that pain is not constant. Pain comes and goes in waves. And so you actually can start to sit between the wave of the pain and realize like, oh, if I can be present in this moment, there is a release of the pain as opposed to like tightening up to everything. So part of it is just like that being in the present moment, letting go. Um, One of my like mantras right now um, is a quote from Swami Satchidananda. So someone asked him, how do you know it's God's will? You don't have to call it God. You can call it universe. You can call it higher power, whatever it is. How do you know it's the will of the divine? Because it's done. I cannot do anything about anything that happened one moment before what I just said. I can't undo what I just said. I can't undo anything that happened before this moment. So letting that go and just releasing it and saying, I'm just sitting where I am right now. It's the only place I can sit. I can't sit in the future, right? I don't know what's going to happen two seconds from now. I don't, I can't do anything about what happened two seconds before now. So all I can do is just sit right here and see how I can be in this moment. Not what I can do, not, you know, how am I going to do because we get a little dewy, right? But how can I just be in this moment and that I think is where you start to open up also this um, connection to some sort of divine energy that allows us to then create. Um, I was having a conversation with my husband. It's so interesting, um, like maybe two nights ago. And we were talking about God and God energy and how, and my husband, you know, said, well, yeah, I mean, God's within me. And I was like, 
God is actually, you are God. God's not even like in you. And again, you could call this divine energy. You can call it creation. Scientists know that when you break down atoms and you break them down and break them down and break them down, we get to a point where there is something tying everything together that we don't even really know what that is. But they're starting to recognize that there's some consciousness that exists there. And so we are literally consciousness. It does not. I love science because science is so cool in the sense of like, um, okay, so I'm on a computer, right? If I put my hand on this computer, it's going to feel hard. It's going to feel like there's some separation between myself and that computer. That is a complete illusion. Atoms are not hard stops. So I am literally melding into this computer. I'm melting into everything around me. This body that I think of as errata is actually not a solid entity. It adds actually more energy and space than I give it credit for. And so I like, um, I tend to say I'm not a terribly woo-woo person, maybe because I grew up (laughs) in the way that I grew up, right? I really love to base things in science. And so it's so exciting to me now that science is catching up with what these ancient yogis knew 5,000 years ago, and they're measuring it in ways that they've never been able to measure it before. Because now we have all these electrodes and, you know, temperature gauges and blood tests and all this stuff we can do now. Well, Um, I love what you're saying because yes, the science is showing that we live in a conscious universe and that what we pay attention to, remember that intention that we're creating and then we're focusing our attention on what we want what we want to create, when we do that, we are creating by default. The problem is if you don't deliberately set your intention with what you want to create, the natural default is to protect yourself. And then you play small and you have no idea just how powerful you are and what you can create. You're putting all these blocks and limits on yourself. And I love that what you're doing with yoga is getting completely present in the present moment and honoring that strength, that divine that is within you. You're absolutely right. I was blessed on New Year's Day 2005 to have a stroke. And I always say blessed because during my stroke, I had a conversation with our higher power and I got a complete download about how everything works, why we're alive, what we can do to live our best lives and what happens next after this life. It's graduation, nothing to worry about. So the thing that just really was amazing to me is yeah, I delved down into the atoms during that conversation. And according to scientists, if you were to take the nucleus of an atom and imagine that it's the size of a peanut, the entire atom would be the size of a baseball stadium. And the the, uh, electrons and positrons are dancing around in there and each of them is doing a different dance move. You know, you might tanga, I might rumba or disco or whatever. (laughs) And, And they're much tinier than that nucleus. And they've got this whole baseball field and parking lots to play in. And I was like, well, at first everybody thought, well, that's empty space. No, I was shown that is where the divine resides. That is where the divine is. So literally the divine is everywhere through you and observing what you're up to with so much delight and joy and just excitement about where you are and what you're up to. Because 
I know I'm going off a little bit here, but one of the key messages I got is that everything is love. Now, the challenge with that, if everything is already love, how do you expand the divine when everything is already love? You create human beings who don't think everything is love. We get to experience contrast, the difference between what is wanted and what is not wanted. And that friction forces us to choose. Either we play small and it's, I'm a victim and everything's happening to me, or we own our innate ability and we play big. This is happening for me. It's because I am love and I can be love in this moment. Love is already present for me, but it's not obvious and I have to figure Mm -hmm. it out. How is it showing up for me? And I get to play with amazing people like Rada and together every time we chat and communicate, we create more love automatically by default. How fun is that? I mean, honestly, amazing. It's like the multiplication of um, that energy is so powerful. And when people get together, it's one of the reasons why we actually meditate in groups, right? Because meditating on your own can be powerful. But once you add another person in, it multiplies and then exponentially multiplies and exponentially multiplies. So the more people you have together meditating, they actually did a, um, studies on this at, um, oh, what is it? Maharishi University, I think yes. it is. In, yeah. And so they did a lot of studies on meditation and how you can multiply energy. So that's why also having your own peace is so important. And why Swami Satchidananda was always like, make sure you take care of your own house first. Make sure that you are putting your peace first. He says, peace is your nature. Do not disturb it. Mm. Now, I have to say, even though I grew up in yoga, I had my moments in my 20s, early 30s, where I decided, okay, I don't have to meditate all the time. I don't have to do these practices all the time. I'm going to go out and, you know, go clubbing and live a big life and work on Wall Street and all of these things that happen. So part of my journey was that when, um, when 2000, um, when September 11th happened, I was working on wall street in New York city. I was a block away from the world trade center when the first building fell and ended up, um, coming back to work about 10 days later and worked right there at the world trade center for a year afterwards. I ended up with severe, severe anxiety, depression, PTSD, And I really, I did not know at the time how to apply what I knew in yoga. And so I really went a Western route and they ended up giving me all kinds of drugs and not, not anti-medication, but I do think sometimes we overdo it. Um, And so basically what happened was by 2005, I was in such a horrible place that I ended up in the hospital, in the um, mental health hospital, and I actually attempted suicide that year. Um, And I tell you all this because I think there's probably a lot of people out there that can relate to um, that experience. And I have to say that I went through all the Western ways of trying to deal with it. Um, And again, I'm not anti-medication. I think medication has a beautiful place in this world. I mean, Western medicine's amazing. Um, But I always say to people, like, that's only going to be part of it. You're never going to bring yourself up out of your anxiety, your depression, your struggle, 
um, just by relying on Western methods. You have to change the way you think, the way you're interacting with your world. And the beauty of it is yoga had, again, it was inside me. I knew it since I was a kid, but I lost it somewhere. <laughs> it's so easy. They have this incredible practice called Pratipakshabhavana, which is replacing negative thoughts with positive ones. And of course, now with science, we understand that like you get grooves in your brain, right? And like these electrical impulses start going and they start going along the same groove. So if you think a negative thought, it's going to create this pathway in your brain. And then the next thing that's going to happen is you're going to deepen that pathway, deepen that pathway. But we can reroute these and recircuit these pathways. And you do that by simply when you start thinking something negative, you flip it around and you think the positive. You don't have to believe it. You don't have to think it's true. You don't have to do anything like that. You just have to tell your brain like, oh, I'm so stressed today. Oh, I'm no, I'm so relaxed. Today yes. is a beautiful, relaxing day. It's that simple. And when you start repeating it over and over again, and you continue to do this, it has the power to completely transform your life. I mean, so many of our cognitive behavioral therapies, our dialectical behavioral therapies, all of these new ways that they're dealing with mental health stuff really is based in these ideas of mindfulness and so many of these yoga techniques. It works. So, it freaking it works. works, you know, 5,000 years. You don't have to reinvent the wheel all the time. It works. Now, no. I have to ask you something yeah. about it because you, this is a really, really timely question. I notice that every time I want my external world to change, I have to change something inside me first. It's an inside yeah. that then is reflected yeah. on the outside. And you kind of alluded to this when you were talking about changing your thoughts and changing how you speak to yourself. I, I've seen research recently that your body is listening to everything you say and everything, everything. you think. And everything. it automatically tries to create what you think about. That's why you can imagine a lemon and chewing on half of a big juicy lemon and your mouth will fill with saliva because it's trying to protect your teeth from the imagined acidity. You don't even have to have a lemon and your body will immediately try to meet you where you are. So what have you noticed? What, what shifts did you make internally to get through that really challenging period? So one of the, the things was really, again, practicing mindfulness, being in the present moment all the time, right? Really just trying to bring myself back to the moment. And some of that can be as simple as, um, you know, observing colors, just looking around and saying, okay, this is orange. This is pink. I see black. I see blue. Sometimes it can be just feeling your body saying, okay, I feel my feet on the floor. I feel my, you know, uh, earbuds, like the cord against my neck, like just really naming what you're feeling. Then once you start getting comfortable with that, then the more powerful yogic practices is to close your eyes and repeat a mantra, sort of like we did with the intention, picking those two words. Now there is advantages of saying mantras in English. However, sound has vibrations and certain sounds create certain healing vibrations in your body. That is why we pick specifically Sanskrit mantras in yoga. Sanskrit predates Hinduism, predates Buddhism. Um, it is a very powerful language because it is one of our first languages. And so as people were developing language, 
um, they were tapping into the energies of the things around them. And so the words they were saying were really vibrating much closer to the actual vibration of what they were speaking of. So when they're speaking peace, we actually can repeat Shanti. So we can say just Om Shanti. And when we just repeat that over and over again, we're actually, again, telling our DNA, telling the cells in our body, um, communicating to them that we are actually peaceful. So the nice thing about yoga is you don't have to consciously do a whole lot. You just have to do the practices and you'll get the result. So just by saying OM, right? You just chant OM. You can just repeat OM over and over again. It is a vibration, this universal vibration. It will create a certain effect in your body. They can measure it now. It affects your brain. It releases endorphins. It releases dopamine and serotonin. It reduces your cortisol. It starts to vibrate your um, your thyroid, which controls your hormones. It can actually expand and clear the lungs. Like there's so many things that a simple chanting of OM can do. We were even just doing reading a study recently that um, we do a lot of sound baths and gongs and things like that here. And there was just a study being done that says that certain tones they're finding actually resonate with certain DNA. Interesting. Just like certain chants can actually transform your DNA. It wow. can heal things. It can expand your telomeres. That's why yogis, I mean, if you know yogis, yogis are, we're pretty young looking people. We have a lot of, um, you know, my parents are almost 80 and they are just, they just got back from like a whirlwind trip to London. They're just like, I mean, they're amazing. They have so much energy. <laughs> they're so full of life. Um, and yogis just really like, they don't know to stop and slow down. We're just like, woo, we've got all this great prana, this great energy going. So part of great. that is just doing these really, really simple practices. Again, it doesn't have to be complicated. We can make it really easy and something that can be integrated into every moment of our life. It doesn't have to be an hour and a half on a mat in a yoga studio or a gym. Yeah. And I, I love these practices that you've just recommended because they sound like the baby steps that we can take that will get us where we want to go. So just making that commitment that you're going to sit and be present and notice the colors in the room and name the sensations on your body and then close your eyes and be present with a mantra and feel it vibrate through your body. I got this really incredible download. I don't know if you've ever heard of free diving. It's where people want to hold their breath for as long as possible and they oh, go yeah. as deep in the ocean as they can. Yeah, kind of insane. But, you know, it's interesting because I get images sometimes from the divine and I was meditating and I got this image and I have a mantra that I use to meditate, and it's similar to Om in that it ends with a hum, like a vibration, mm -hmm. a hum. And I just got this awareness that just like a free diver, I just grab onto that hum vibration at the end of my mantra, and it takes me right down deep, not into the ocean, into a pool of awareness, yes. of the eternal awareness of all that is. And I don't have to do anything. I just get to be present with it and savor that sensation of nothingness. It was amazing. That was the best meditation I've ever had because it was so deep and so instant. Incredible. Yeah. It really is. I mean, and it's so simple. 
It doesn't have to be complicated. And that's what just just because it's simple doesn't mean it's not incredibly powerful. So don't think you have to do some kind of like crazy, you know, again, we don't have to actually have to dive into the ocean and hold our breath. Yes, that's cool for some people, but for some, that's not going to resonate. It can be as simple as just sitting there in your home and, and doing that mm sound. And that humming sound really does take you in and tap you into the infinite energy of, of creation of the universe. Um, And also, as we're doing these practices, the thing that's really powerful about um, being mindful is that it starts to help you re- redirect your mind. So I always tell people, um, just because you think it doesn't make it true. And if you think it, it makes it true. So just because you think like, um, oh, God, I just stubbed my toe and I have a terrible day. That doesn't actually resonate. That's not a true thing, right? However, if you continue to think it, guess what? You will definitely start having a horrible day. So it's everything. I mean, it can be just as much as like, um, you know, when you set the table, you have to have the knife on the left-hand side. That's how it has to be. We think these things every day, all day, throughout our day, right? It doesn't make it true just because you thought it. There are other ways to do things. It's an infinite universe and you can manifest what you want by thinking thoughts that are creating the beauty that you want to see. And that again, it is not woo woo. It is just the way that our consciousness works, the consciousness of the universe works, um, and the way that we create what's going on around us. And that is, is really quantum powerful. physics. It's quantum physics it in real life. We are the embodiment of quantum physics. So yeah, I love this. And I'm so bummed that we're running out of time because <laughs> I could keep you here all day. I am having such a blast. This is really powerful and exactly what I needed to hear. So thank you so much oh, for that. Right. Now you were telling us a bit, telling me before we got started a little bit about your free gift and it sounds amazing. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So what I would like to do is give you all a free gift of just like 10 tips that you can use, easy tips throughout the day to really increase um, your awareness and your abundance and just 10 really simple yoga tips. It doesn't have to be, like I said, complicated. It can just be as simple as sitting there and being in awareness. So yeah. So I look forward to sharing that with all of you. I love that. And I am going to download that right away because one of my commitments this year is to be much more present. And so 10 tips like that, that help me stay present. Oh yeah, baby. I'm all over that. And then some, now one of the things that we always do, Rado, we love to turn the tables on our guests because we know when we give is when we receive the most. So what can we do to support you? Oh goodness. Well, um, What we love to have is people who reach out to us. First of all, our website is full of so many incredible offerings, and we love to share that. So IYINY.org is where you can find us. Um, And just come and check out what we have to offer, because I feel like um, just like in giving, there's receiving. And so by coming and sharing yourself with us, You also then get to receive whatever wisdom we have to offer and be part of this beautiful community. And um, 
I think I was mentioning earlier, we have lots of online offerings as well as in person. So you don't have to be in New York City. One thing we have that we just started, if you just want to like be with people, is we have a free daily um, Sangha hour. So it's unscripted, unhosted. It is just a chance at 5.30 Eastern every day to just log in online and see who's there and just be in a space with other people who um, are in the same energy, want to, you know, maybe you'll meditate together. Maybe you'll have an interesting conversation. Maybe you'll just drink tea and chat and talk about your life. It's, um, it's really just an opportunity for everyone to be together. Is that 5.30 AM or PM? PM. Okay, good. PM, coming (laughs) at the end of your day. I'm in California because that'd be kind of early for me. (laughs) (laughs) Rana, you have made my life really difficult because now I have to pick just one of the many, many incredible things you shared with us today to do the Activate Abundance segment around. So yeah, you're making my life a little challenging, but I love it. I love it because you gave us so many brilliant, brilliant insights today. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Well, stick around, everybody, because we're going to activate abundance in just a minute. Hi, it's Elaine Starling, the Abundance Ambassador. And I know since you're listening to this show or watching this show, The Abundance Journey, you really want to experience more abundance in your life. Well, that's why I wrote the book, Five Steps to Activate Your Abundance. It's available for sale right now from Amazon, from barnesandnoble.com and many international sellers. And I want you to pick up a copy because I'm really opening the kimono here and sharing all of the information you need to experience abundance in every single aspect of your life. The book's divided into three parts. Part one is called Meeting the Divine. This is where I share my near-death experience and the conversation I got to have with our higher power during my stroke. In part two, Messages from the Divine, I share the best practices that I was given, the secret sauce in how life actually works. And so you understand really why you're here and how you can make the most of your life. So you love every single moment. And then in the part three is partnering with the divine. That's where I go into each of the five steps to activate your abundance and explain exactly why it works so well. So take a moment to pick up a copy. It's available as an ebook, a paperback book, an audiobook and a video course. So however you like to absorb information, abundance is waiting for you. Rada is amazing. You see why I was so psyched and thrilled and just over the moon that I got a chance to chat with her about yoga and the power of yoga. So number one, step one to activate abundance is always gratitude. Gratitude is the acorn to the oak of your abundance. So every time you step into gratitude, that is the doorway to everything you want to experience in your life. And there is brilliance in every conversation you have. Having this time together with Rada was such a gift. And I'm deeply grateful that she spent the time with us. Step two is to acknowledge something you heard that was an aha for you, an insight for you. And I kind of heard this before, but I got it. Today, I got it in a really deep way. She said, sound creates healing vibrations. Just the sound 
And the reason why Sanskrit is so powerful is because it was one of the earliest human languages and it is so close to the vibration that we're actually talking about. And so she said, if you were to say Om Shanti, Shanti is peace. Om is the sound of the universe. So when you say Om Shanti, you are directing your DNA to align with peace. Whoa, mind blown. That's what I want to acknowledge because that that insight shifts a lot for me. Step three, appreciate the difference it can make in your life. Well, now that I know this and I know that I'm actually programming my DNA to do exactly what I want it to do, it's like this is my intention for my DNA. Of course I'm going to do this. I can do this for just a minute, a few times a day. And what a transformation to re-anchor myself back into peace, back into peace and love several times every day. Wow. I so appreciate how that is going to shift everything for me in my life. Step four, activate it. We've got three different ways we can activate it. You can pull out a calendar and schedule time to do something. You can create a physical trigger like crossing your fingers or tugging on your earlobe or, you know, yeah, pulling your hip fist down to your uh, waist or something to show the energy, get the energy moving in your body. It's a physical connection that reminds you of how you want to show up. Another thing that you can do is to acknowledge to people, make a declaration, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to declare to you what I'm going to do is I'm going to take advantage of this mantra, Om Shanti. And I'm going to use that mantra at least three times a day, in the morning, around lunchtime, and in the afternoon, because I always need to get a little bump again after lunch in the afternoon, I want to make sure that I'm anchoring peace into my body several times every day. Because when I can anchor peace and love into my body, it radiates out through every single thing that I think and feel and say and do. And do you remember what our intention was? Just a little reminder in Love and Light, we hold the intention that we experience supreme peace and joy, embodying that peace and joy through everything that we think, feel, say, and do. And I can do that, especially when I commit to saying that mantra just three times a day. That's all it takes. And I get to have my intention. So Step five, celebrate your progress. This stuff is easy. That was the other thing that Rada said that was like, whoa, everybody tries to make things really complicated because then they feel like, well, you have to work with me so I can show you exactly what to do. Rada made it so simple. And, and I love that she made it simple because she's given us little breadcrumbs that we can apply that can shift everything in our lives, open us up to this peace, this love, this innate joy that is your birthright. How beautiful, how fortunate that we have mentors and masters like this who are generous about sharing this with us. Thank you so much for joining me today. Make sure to see me next time for another episode of The Abundance Journey. You've been listening to The Abundance Journey Show with Elaine Starling. Visit theabundancejourney.com slash podcast gifts to access today's gift as well as gifts from our other guests. Tune in every week to activate abundance in your life and business. 
If something resonated with you, please share it with your friends so they can benefit too. Keep activating abundance and we'll see you in the next episode.